welcome to my two cents podcast, AEW's all out uh, pay-per-view review. I'm going to give you guys the results of the pay-per-view and I'm going to give you my final thoughts on it after I give you the results. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. The AEW um, all out pay-per-view opens up with Miro going against Eddie Kingston for the TNT championship and Miro beats Eddie Kingston. It was a nice opening match for the pay-per-view. The fans were loud for the match, chanting for Eddie throughout the match. Eddie's whole game plan was to try and break down Miro by going after his neck, which he does do. During the match, Eddie and Miro were able to trade big strikes with each other. Miro's left peck was purple after being chopped so many times in the match by Eddie Kingston. Eddie uncovered a turnbuckle after trying to hold on to it after Miro was um, trying to suplex him. Either way, Miro suplexed him, and in that point, uh, the turnbuckle pad comes off, so now you have an exposed turnbuckle. In the end, Eddie was able to hit a spinning backflist and nail Miro with the DDT, but that doesn't end Miro. Eddie was about to bash Miro's head into the exposed turnbuckle, but the referee stood in between the turnbuckle and Miro. The referee told Eddie no, and he was being reprimanded by the referee. And during this process, Miro was able to kick Eddie in the family jewels while this was happening, and then he was able to hit a big kick to Eddie in the face and pin Eddie Kingston to win the match and retain his TNT championship. Solid uh, three-star match. Matter of fact, three-and-a-half-star. I don't really like to do stars, but if I had to, three-and-a-half-star match for this. It was solid. It was a solid big man hitting each other. It was a solid uh, ring work. I didn't like the finish like that, but it makes sense because Kingston tried to be ruthless and hit his head on Miro's head on the turnbuckle, but the referee did his job, and the referee got booed by the fans while he did this. But again, a good, a good uh, solid match between these two men. I would like to see them go at it again in the future, and hopefully next time they get to use some weapons because uh, I can just see that Miro versus Kingston in some type of stipulation of weaponry would be a excellent match. After this, we get the match of Moxley going against Kojima. The match was all right. Uh, Moxley dominated most of the match, but Kojima was able to fight back at times during the match. But in the end, Moxley was able to hit two paradigm ships, shifts on Kojima and pin him to get the win. However, after the match, that's where the exciting part comes out. Because as soon as the match ends, Minoru Suzuki's music hits and the fans were going crazy. You get the first subtle seconds of Minoru Suzuki's music hits and the fans are just waiting in anticipation for Minoru to come out. And Minoru Suzuki, for the people that don't know, is a New Japan wrestler, but he's a legend in Japan because he is a MMA fighter turned professional wrestler, but he has the legend and aura of being that guy that will take so much punishment, but able to dish it back 10 times harder than the punishment that you are able to give to him. Anyway, Minoru Suzuki uh, does eventually come out and he walks down to the ring and him and Moxley have a confrontation in the ring. Moxley and Suzuki were able to sh um, strike each other, but in the end, Suzuki was able to put Moxley in a sleeper hold. And as Moxley was going unconscious in the sleeper hold, Suzuki turned Moxley into a gotch pile driver, hit him with the gotch pile driver, and stood on top of Moxley. It was announced later in the night that on AEW Dynamite this upcoming Wednesday, Moxley will be going against Suzuki, so that is a match you should be looking forward to on this week's AEW Dynamite. After this, it was time for the AEW Women's Championship match between Britt Baker and Chris Statlander. Britt Baker wins the match, and she beats Chris Statlander to retain the AEW Women's Championship. It was a good match 
from both of these women wrestlers. Um, Chris played up to her strength in the match, and her strength is basically she's stronger than Britt, so she was able to use her strength literally throughout the match. But at one point in the match, Chris went to hit Britt Baker with a 450 splash, but she missed. And towards the end of the match, Britt threw Chris Statland on the outside of the ring. She was able to hit a curb stomp on Chris outside of the ring, and Britt was able to get back into the ring. Britt was going to take the count out when, as the referee was counting, Orange Cassidy came down and started yelling at Chris Statlander to get into the ring, and Chris Statlander does get back into the ring. See, the thing was, Orange Cassidy is usually the laid-back guy and chilled-out guy, but whenever he turned up and just started yelling at Chris, that brought a whole new dimension into Orange Cassidy that tells you that he actually cares about certain things, and this one was one of them, because Chris is one of his friends, and he wants his friends to succeed. Anyway, getting back to it, in the end, Britt Baker was able to hit the Panama Sunrise, which if you don't know, is basically a second turnbuckle. Uh, she's standing on the second turnbuckle, she jumps off and hits a Canadian Destroyer. On to Chris Statlander and then locks in the Lockjaw, and as she is locking in the Lockjaw, and as Chris is in the Lockjaw, Chris is unconscious, and the referee just looks at Chris, and she's waiting, for, and he's waiting for Chris to tap out, and he looks at her, and he sees that she's unconscious. He has a call for the bell, so Britt Baker technically wins by submission, but Chris Statlander didn't tap out. She was basically unconscious, but in the end, Britt Baker does retain her AEW Women's Championship. After this, now it's time for the steel cage match between the teams of the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks, and the Lucha Brothers win the match, they beat the Young Bucks to win the AEW Tag Team Championships. This was an insane tag team match. I'm not going to be able to cover everything that they did in this match. I'm only able to cover uh, certain highlights in the match. But let me just tell you, both teams used the steel cage against each other in this match. Um, some of the highlights of the match was whenever the Young Bucks uh, grabbed Phoenix and straight up just darted him right into one side of the cage. Um, another highlight was whenever Brandon Cutler had a bag and he threw it inside of the inside of the ring. He basically threw it over the cage, which was basically high. So I was that was crazy that Brandon was able to throw it over the cage and inside the uh, ring. But anyway, once the bag got thrown inside the ring and Matt Jackson caught the bag, inside the bag was a shoe. On the bottom of the shoe was thumbtacks covered all over. So the thumb tacky part, the tag part, the actual sticky part was actually on the outside. So basically, somebody was about, somebody was able to get hit with the um, sharp end of the tacks. In the end, Matt Jackson does put the shoe on, and he's about to super kick Phoenix in the face. But Penta jumps in front of his brother, and he tells him to super kick him instead of Phoenix and Matt Jackson to bludge. So Matt Jackson ends up super kicking Penta in the face with the shoe that has thumb tacks on it. And at this moment, Phoenix is now bleeding. The ending of the match comes when Phoenix is now on top of the steel cage and he decides to jump off and he hits a flying crossbody onto the Young Bucks. At this point, this allows Phoenix and Penta to both pick up Nick Jackson and hit their tag team finish, which is basically an assist double-armed power driver to win the match. And they pin uh, Nick Jackson to win the match and win the AEW Tag Team Championships. Again, this is me giving you a light down water version of this match because this match was crazy. It had a whole lot of other spots. I just picked out the spots that were really interesting to me and that I could remember. But again, I will suggest you go out and try to find this match. This match was excellent. Um, after this, now it's time for the women 
Casino Battle Royale. The winner of this match will get a future AEW Women's Championship opportunity. Um, the winner of this match was Ruby Soho. Ruby Soho, if you don't know, is formerly known as Ruby Riot in WWE. She got released um, this past June. So she came out as the mystery participant in the match. Here's a couple highlights of the match. Uh, Jay Cargill being eliminated by Nyla Rose. Ruby Soho being a mystery participant in the match. And the final three participants that were left in the match was Nyla Rose, Ruby Soho, and Thunder Rosa. Um, Nyla Rose was eliminated by Thunder Rosa. Then Thunder Rosa ends up getting eliminated by Ruby after those two women uh, battle on the ring apron. And they are trying to eliminate each other. But Ruby uh, Soho was able to hit her finish on Thunder Rosa and eliminate Thunder Rosa. So Ruby Soho is now the winner of the Casino Battle Royale. And she will get a future AEW Women's Championship match against Britt Baker somewhere down the line. After this, now it's time for Chris Jericho to go against MGF in the final fight. If Chris Jericho loses, he will have to retire out of AEW in-ring competition. But no need to fear, Chris Jericho does beat MGF in the match. But before I get to that, let me start off with the entrances. Uh, before the match even begins, uh, whenever the entrances were made, you thought you were going to get Chris Jericho's old entrance because they played Chris Jericho's old WWF entrance timer like before he came into wwe like before he made his actual like debut they were rearing gearing up for his debut he had the old timer clock that did the whole minutes seconds and days before somebody came to wwf and they played the old timer when it started off with 10 9 8 7 and it had the whole legit old wwf like situation like the whole thing like it looked like it came from wwf legitimately but it didn't they did the whole thing, and when it came down to zero, the lights went out. Chris Jericho's old pyro hit the big boom pyro from WWF. If you remember it, if you don't know, go back to YouTube and look up Chris Jericho, uh, at least 1999 entrance from WWF, and you'll see exactly. Matter of fact, nope, w, Chris Jericho's WWF 2000 entrance. That's a better representation. The audience thinks Chris Jericho is going to be coming out because we're all thinking this is Chris Jericho's final match because of the stipulation. But nope, it ends up being Chris uh, MJF is spoofing Chris Jericho's entrance because as soon as it's supposed to say Jericho, like the old Titantron, it says Jericho's final match, and then it hits Chris, uh, MJF's music, and MJF comes out and he's wearing a king robe, and he's just enjoying the fans booing him. So applaud to MJF for being an excellent uh, bad guy and an excellent prick. Uh making the fans boom but anyway let me get to the match this was a solid uh old school type match compared to everything that happened earlier in the match everything earlier i mean earlier in the night everything earlier in the night was like really really like either japanish or new school hybrid of lucha libre and the new school of japan mixed with american mixed with um Mexico. I mean it was just a fusion with everything earlier in the night but this match was old school like early the late 1990s style match anyway earlier in the match jericho power bombs mgf on the apron and now this hurts uh mgf's lower back and mgf throughout the match is now holding his lower back but mgf was able to give chris jericho a piece of his medicine because whenever chris jericho is looking for a top rope from karana mgf is able to counter this and hits a power bomb off the second turnbuckle Towards the end of the match, Warlow 
comes down to the ring, but he is stopped by Jake Hager, and now Jake Hager is now brawling with Warlow. And this brings out multiple referees that try to separate these two and send them to the back. And this distracts Aubrey Edwards, who's the referee for the match. And as Aubrey's distracted, looking at Warlow and Hager just fighting each other, MGF grabs Chris Jericho bat, and he hits Chris Jericho with it. And he throws the bat away, and then he nails Jericho with Jericho's own finish, the Judas effect. And MGF now pins Jericho, and the Aubrey turns around, and she sees this. She counts one, two, and she's about to hit the three, but Jericho puts his foot on the ropes. However, Aubrey doesn't see it. It still counts and hits the three. And the referee rings the bell. She tells the announcer that MGF has won. <clears throat> now you have the audience and commentary team all angry. The audience is booing this match. They are booing it down. You hear Excalibur, you hear Jim Ross, and you hear Tony Schiavone all angry and saying this is bullcrap. Jericho's foot was on the rope. The air, all this and yada, yada, yada. This makes another referee come down to talk to Aubrey and tell her that Jericho's foot was on the ropes and that Aubrey's saying, you sure? He's saying, yes, I saw it. I was down here. I saw it the whole time Jericho's foot was on the rope. So ultimately, that referee has to go to the ring announcer and tell the ring announcer to announce that Jericho's foot was on the rope. So this match has to be restarted. MGF hears the announcement and he is pissed. He pushes Aubrey and behind MGF is Jericho coming from behind and hits him with a roll up. MGF quickly counters out of that and puts Jericho in the salt of the earth, which is basically an arm bar. Jericho is trying not to tap throughout this. He's trying to reverse. He doesn't reverse the first time, but his second time trying to reverse, he's actually successful in it. And he locks MGF into the walls of Jericho. MGF is crawling to the ropes. He puts his hand in his mouth and he's biting his hand, trying not to tap. And as MGF is slowly reaching the bottom rope, Jericho brings MJF back into the middle of the ring, uh, locks in the Jericho, uh, walls of Jericho again and just applies more pressure. MJF can't hold it anymore. He ends up tapping out, and Jericho wins the match by submission by making MJF tap out. You have now Jericho in the ring. He's just sore. He's beaten down, and now you have the rest of the inner circle come out to congratulate Jericho, and they're just holding him up and just so excited that Jericho is now still a part of the AEW active roster, and he doesn't have to retire out of AEW in-ring competition. This match was straight. It was solid. I'm not going to say it was a match of the night because I'm still giving that distinction over to the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks for their uh, steel cage match. But again, this match was solid. It was a straight, solid match. It got the fans excited, and especially for the next match to follow after this because the next match was CM Punk going against Darby Allin. Uh, CM Punk ends up beating Darby Allin, but let me get into the details of it. The fans were ready for this match. They were ready to see their hometown hero, this wrestling legend, make his in-ring debut since being away from in-ring competition for seven years. CM Punk ditched the tights and is now wearing wrestling pants, which looked awkward, but again, hey, he had to switch up his gear, he had to switch up his whole uh, look because... Whenever you're in wrestling, you always have to switch up your look to be uh, remain fresh. And so Punk is no exception to it. He dished the tights and now is wearing wrestling pants. Uh, this was a solid, uh, great match, especially for someone that hasn't wrestled for the last seven years. 
CM Punk was able to keep up with Darby Allen. Uh, Darby used his speed to try to outquick CM Punk's veteran experience throughout this match. And at one point in the match, CM Punk Irish whipped Darby Allen into the turnbuckle, but Darby was sent in between the top and second turnbuckle, and his body got sent into the metal uh, steel post, and he like ricocheted out of the uh, ring and onto the outside floor, and Darby was just hurting. You saw the red start going on his like back and side, so now you see Punk starting to formulate a game plan to start applying like submission holes onto that weakened body part of Darby Allen to try to make him quit. Punk even applied the abdominable stretch and multiple headlocks to apply pressure and pain onto Darby to try to make him quit, but that doesn't happen. CM Punk does hit the GTS, but whenever he does hit it, Darby ends up flying out of the ring, and CM Punk decides that he's going to take the count out win, but that doesn't happen because as soon as the referee hits the count of nine, Darby hears the nine, and he gets back into the ring quick. Towards the end of the match, Punk was going for the GTS again, but Darby started to counter and start to elbow Punk right in the neck multiple times, multiple, multiple times. This has uh, CM Punk drop to his knees and drop to the mat, and he starts rolling outside of the ring. Darby sees this. He goes to the top rope, and he jumps off and dives onto CM Punk. Uh, he ends up sending CM Punk back into the ring, and now Darby's looking for the coffin drop. He dives off and tries to hit the coffin drop, but he ends up missing it whenever CM Punk sits up, and Darby's back hits the mat. And in the end, Darby tries to hit a poison Rana onto CM Punk, but CM Punk counters it by grabbing Darby Allen and transitioning that poison Rana into the GTS and connecting with the GPS and pin Darby Allen for the win. After the match, Sting comes down to check on Darby Allen. He checks on Darby, and then he goes over to CM Punk. He extends his hand out for Punk to shake it. Punk looks at Sting and just stares at him, and eventually he ends up shaking Sting's hand, and the fans cheer for it. And now you have Punk and Sting both go over to Darby, and Punk extends his hand out to Darby, and Darby shakes his hand, and that's the end of that. My uh, opinion on that is that Punk was solid for this. For a guy that hasn't been in the ring for the last seven years, he looked as solid. He didn't look like he lost any, like, step in his, uh, he didn't look like he looked awkward in the ring. You know how certain wrestlers, wrestlers look awkward in the ring, like, they done this, but they, like, lost a little bit of their pep in their step in the ring? Punk didn't look like that. He looked like he was actually able to keep up. He did what he was supposed to do, and as time goes on and he starts facing other challengers, like probably a Jungle Boy or MGF somewhere down the line, you're going to see Punk get more ground game because he can't really do as much high-flying maneuvers anymore because his body is old and he hasn't been in the ring for so long, so his body has to get used to uh, the in-ring punishment. So we're going to probably see more ground uh, mat game workmanship from Punk in the future. But anyway, this match was straight. It was solid. I want to see Punk at least upgrade his uh, wardrobe because the tights were, the wrestling like pants were really bland. I mean, the even his like Chicago stars on the side were small. I just want to see him like upgrade like the uh, wardrobe for his in-ring wear. But other than that, everything was solid. There's nothing for me to complain about in this. After this, we get 
Paul White going against QT Marshall, and Paul White ends up beating QT Marshall. This was a quick match to get people ready for the main event. Paul White took care of the factory before the match begins. Paul White dominates the match. And in the end, Paul catches QT Marshall coming off the top rope and gets him with a choke slam and pins him for the win. Again, this was a quick match. Paul White, a.k.a. Big Show, he looked as straight. This was... They did what they were supposed to do. This was basically just a palate cleanser to get you ready for the main event. And now it's time for the main event. Kenny Omega going against Christian Cage for the AEW World Championship. Kenny Omega beats Christian Cage to retain the AEW Championship. This was a great main event. They started off brawling outside of the ring. Kenny even placed a table across Christian Cage's body. He goes to uh, the ring apron and hits a double uh, foot stomp off the apron onto the cage, which basically breaks. That's on Christian. So he did it a reverse. Christian was on below the table. He gets on the apron. He jumps off, double stomps the table. So adds more pressure onto Christian's chest and breaks the table off of that. Uh, Don and Omega then grabs another table and sets it up for the outside of the ring. Uh, Omega then decides to throw Christian back into the ring. And now you have Christian just being completely on the defense as Omega is dominating most of this match. Omega was so cocky in this match, which was different than their uh, original match that they had on the debut episode of Rampage, because when you look at the Rampage match compared to this match, Christian was basically able to counter and outmaneuver Omega so much more in their debut match compared to this match. Omega seemed like he he learned from his mistakes. So he was able to bring out the viciousness, more vicious than he did it, um, during their first encounter. Towards the end of the match, Omega hits multiple snap dragon suplexes and multiple V-triggers onto Christian. And at one point, Omega sends Christian onto the outside of the ring on the apron. And Omega tries to German suplex Christian off of that apron through the table that was set up earlier. That doesn't happen, and Christian instead spears Omega off the apron and into the table and shatters uh, the table. The ref is now counting uh, these men out as soon as they're on the outside and they smash through the table, but ultimately uh, both of them get back into the ring. Omega goes for the one-winged angel, and Christian counters this and hits the kill switch. Christian pins Omega, but that doesn't end but that doesn't get the job done. So Christian decides that he's going to put Omega on the top turnbuckle and go for the kill switch off the top. But Omega rakes Christian in the eye, which basically means Omega scratches uh, Christian right in the eyes. And this allows Omega to hit Christian with the one-winged angel off the top rope, off the top turnbuckle, and he pins Christian to get the win. So Kenny Omega beats Christian by pinfall to retain the AEW World Championship. After the match, this is where the big surprise for the night, and as a matter of fact, for the rest of this week, comes in. Because after the match, the Young Bucks and the Good Brothers come out to celebrate with Kenny Omega. They get in the ring, and the first thing that they do is beat down on Christian. The fans are booing this, so this sets up Jurassic Express to come down to try to save Christian, but that doesn't happen because the number games is too much for them, and they get beat down as well. Omega then decides to grab the mic and tell the people at home and the people in the audience that no one is on his level. The only people that 
would have a chance to beat him for the AEW title are either here, retired, or they are already dead. As soon as he says dead, the lights go off and you hear the fans start cheering because they know a surprise is coming and they are just waiting to see exactly who it is because the two big names that were rumored to speculate have been swirling around this weekend were either Adam Cole or Brian Danielson. The lights go off and you hear boom. The lights pop on and the screen reads Adam Cole. Adam walks down the ramp and you hear the fans just cheer for Adam. They can't believe Adam Cole is in AEW. They just thought that this was nothing but rumors and speculations. But hey, Adam Cole's now in AEW. He gets into the ring. He does his whole Adam Pose taunt. He does it and the fans chanted out Adam Cole, baby. As soon as he gets done with his chant. He looks over, he looks across the ring, and across from him is the Elite, and you can sense the bad tension that Adam Cole and Kenny Omega have, because their previous history was, whenever Adam Cole was leaving Ring of Honor to go to WWE, he was kicked out of the Bullet Club by Kenny Omega, and Kenny Omega replaced him with Marty Skrull, and the Young Bucks literally super kicked Kenny Omega out of the Bullet Club. So you have that history between Adam Cole, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks. And you have Adam Cole and Omega. They're having words between each other. They're just having this lockdown, stare down, just having words between each other that nobody can hear. And it looks like they're about to get into a fight. But Jungle Boy gets up and out of nowhere, Adam Cole super kicks Jungle Boy. Adam Cole then looks at the Young Bucks and the Young Bucks and Adam Cole embrace and they hug one another and it looks like the elite have swerved the audience and swerved the fans. And the fans are still cheering because, well, we get Adam Cole and AEW still. But it's just like, oh, okay, he's with the elite now. Omega gets back on the mic and says that Adam is one of their best friends. And this was, and they were never going to fight one another. Adam gets on the mic and says, it's official. The elite is the most powerful faction in wrestling. And there is no one that can stop them. Omega gets on the mic and tells the fans goodbye. And as soon as he was about to say goodnight, music hits again. And you hear Daniel Bryan's old WWE theme hit. And you hear it and then it transitions over into some type of uppity beat. And out comes Bryan Danielson, formerly known as WWE's own Daniel Bryan. The fans are losing their mind because not only does AEW have Adam Cole, they now have Brian Danielson and they both debuted on the exact same night. So Chicago got their money's worth. Whoever was at AEW All Out truly, truly got their money's worth. There was no complaints in there at all. Anyway, the fans is going crazy. Danielson is walking down the ring. And now you have Jurassic Express, Christian, and Brian Danson all standing there, and they get in the ring. And Jurassic Express, Christian, and Brian take out the elite. At one point, Brian even hits his running knee on Nick Jackson and sends him out of the ring. The pay per view goes off with Jurassic Express, Christian, and Daniel Bryan, well, formerly known as Daniel Bryan. Brian Danielson in the ring as the elite are on the ramp just staring at them in the ring and that's how the pay-per-view goes off. My 
Now that that's been done, my final final reflection on this pay per view. This uh, pay per view was great. It was it lived up to the hype because we already knew that something was bound to happen at the end of the pay per view. Every time AEW, at least for the past pay-per-views that they have, they always have at least either a surprise or either something big happened on their pay-per-views. That's always a guarantee something is being lying to happen. And I told you in my prediction video, if you listen to it Saturday, I told you that I thought Adam Cole was going to stare down with Kenny Omega at the end of the pay-per-view, which did happen. I didn't have it on my bingo card that he would join up with the Elite. I didn't think that was going to happen at all, but he did. And I didn't have it on my bingo card that Brian Danielson was going to show up on the pay-per-view at the end. But we all knew because Punk said it, what, last Wednesday on Dynamite that fans needed to wait a little bit because somebody was coming when they were chanting out the whole yes, yes, yes. And he said, that's somebody else's stick and you guys just need to wait a little bit longer. He kind of already said that Brian Danielson was coming to AEW. I mean, this was already laid out in the cards for fans to already enjoy Brian Danielson coming to AEW. With the news of Adam Cole not even signing back with WWE hitting, I believe, last week, that was just another, that was just cherry on top of the top of the freaking Sunday. We now have two literally of the legit best. Brian Danielson of the legit best of the best that has ever done it on professional wrestling, and Adam Cole literally being one of the best of this generation's, he is literally Shawn Michaels, the new version of Shawn Michaels, literally, just without the height in, like, the pants, but other than that, he's literally Shawn Michaels right now, he is this generation's Shawn Michaels, I mean, you got CM Punk in his first match in seven years, you got Adam Cole making his AEW debut. You got Brian Danielson making his AEW debut. You have Adam Cole and Brian Danielson, two guys that left the WWE after their contracts were expired up, that did not want to get back into the WWE bubble. They wanted to go to AEW just to have fun and just to experience that AEW vibe, that that feeling of AEW, that big um pop that people are talking about. I mean, that should give WWE some type of heads up right here. Hey, yo, you guys are not the end-all, be-all anymore. AEW is where it's at, especially with so much hype that Adam Cole and Daniel Bryan, formerly known as Daniel Bryan, now Bryan Danielson, is now in AEW. Oh, yeah. Wrestlers on the independents and WWE contracted wrestlers are quivering at the lips they're watering at the mouth to join AEW or if not AEW an affiliate like an Impact Wrestling or a New Japan or something like that because they know that their paths are liable to cross and go over to AEW and do so with AEW since AEW has their arms spread wide out open working with Impact, New Japan, AAA I mean, just wrestling promotions everywhere. And also, they let their wrestlers do independent shows on the weekends. I mean, AEW is literally, right now, the mecca of professional wrestling right now. WWE is still the bar. Let's not get it twisted. It is still the bar. It is still the highest. But AEW is taking the shine off of WWE and literally setting the professional wrestling world to flames right now. Because WWE isn't doing that right now. Especially with the news that Vince is taking over NXT 
This explains a lot of why NXT of the quality is basically going down. I'm hoping that Vince allows Triple H just to still run NXT and now seeing what AEW is doing lights a fire under Triple H to say, Ayo, why not work with Ring of Honor? Because WWE needs to work with somebody. It needs to. Because if you got your competition, AEW working with literally every waking person in the professional wrestling uh, building, in the professional wrestling world. Oh yeah, and they're even working with NWA. AEW's working with NWA. So AEW's working with Impact Wrestling, NWA, AAA, New Japan. I mean, that's already four companies right there. You mean to tell me WWE can't hook up with that other company that they have been leeching off of and taking talent for mad multiple years? Ring of Honor, you can easily work with Ring of Honor and have the Ring of Honor guys literally come over to NXT and transfer them your NXT roster talent over to Ring of Honor and so let them get some experience. That would be my big bargaining chip. That would be my pleading to Vince right now because after tonight, there is no way you on the WWE roster are saying to yourself, I want to resign back with WWE unless. And the only way you are saying that you want to re-sign back with the WWE is if you're in a credible storyline or you're being used frequently. And I mean really frequently. I mean like Roman Reigns head of the table frequent. Seth Rollins uh, visionary frequent. Brock Lesnar getting mad money and only showing up for big time uh, wrestling match frequent. Um, Bobby Lashley, the WWE champion who's getting this now big time slot. Uh, Matt Riddle, who is now the hot shot on, on WWE Monday Night Raw. I mean, those are right now the key center stones of WWE right now. And everybody else is chucked on to the wayside, in my personal eyes. Because the Intercontinental Champion Nakamura, he hasn't done much with the Intercontinental Championship. Damian Priest just got the United States title, and they're booking him perfectly right now. So I can't knock Damian Priest. But... The Usos, they're doing good because they won one of the greatest tag teams ever. And they're SmackDown's champion. But also, they're working with Roman Reigns as the head of the table, the Bloodline storyline. So, they're doing great. But on the Raw side, you got Matt Riddle and Randy, who are the greatest, uh, not the greatest, but one of the hottest new ta act, tag team acts in WWE. I mean, you, right now, WWE is doing fine with those talent. But everybody underneath that I didn't get the name. Like the New Day right now. New Day are uh, doing what they're doing. They're, they're established tag team. They're established name. Just like John Cena. He, if he can come back right now and he just wrestle like a, a Gender Mahal or even a Sami Zayn or something like that. He'll still do fine because the John Cena name and legacy has already built him that uh, credibility. The New Day is on that same exact path. They can wrestle anybody. They've done well. They'll still sell merchandise and they'll move merchandise because they're the New Day. They've gotten audience credibility. However, a whole lot of other teams and a whole lot of other people don't got that. Somebody like a Liv Morgan, she could be cut at any moment. Somebody like a Carmella, she could be cut at any moment. Um, Reginald could be cut at any moment. R-Truth could be cut at any moment. Um, who else right now? Right now, it's been speculated and rumored that Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, which I don't see that happening. I see Triple H really fighting for Gargano and Ciampa, and I mean really fighting for them because they've been holding NXT down. And if they really do lose, 
Ciampa and Gargano, NXT is literally dead in the water, and I don't know what is going to be left for NXT to try to savage if Gargano and Ciampa are literally going out of NXT. And I don't mean to crap on the new talent like the Legado del Fantasma, uh, Hit Row, or um, Samoa Joe, or Pete Dunne and all of them. I don't mean to crap on them, but you got to look at the body of work that Gargano and Ciampa have put out in NXT. They have really kept NXT at the top of that WWE work rate. And I'm not trying to say that as a bad point for anybody on the NXT roster. I'm just stating it as a fact. And you can be mad at me all you want. That's the truth. But right now, AEW is killing it. And WWE needs to follow along and work with other wrestling companies. Get your butt into the game. Do it. Don't just look down on them and say, huh, we're better than them and snoot your nose up. No, AEW right now is kicking your butt just constantly, constantly. And the more you keep on ignoring this, the more it's going to happen in one day. And I mean one day. It might not be now. But boy, five years from now, AEW will be literally the number one position in professional wrestling. And all your television providers, everybody that you have gained great uh, working establishment with will look at your ratings and say, you guys aren't producing like you used to anymore. You guys aren't doing what you guys used to. And they're going to look at AEW and say, they're doing what you guys used to do. You guys are a failure. You guys need to fix something. And I'm telling you right now, as a fan that's watching every single product, WWE, you need to work with Ring of Honor. Because if AEW hasn't already extended their hand out yet, you need to hurry up and make that hand extended out and extended out quick and fast and now. Before AEW does it. Because I'm telling you. If AEW gets Ring of Honor. That is AEW has worked with every single last promotion. That is almost on the. Not even say almost. But that are of predominance. In this whole wrestling climate. In WWE you have worked with not a single one. That's just my thoughts on it. That's my opinion on everything. But that was my thoughts on the um, AEW. All out pay-per-view. I enjoyed it. I hope you guys enjoy it too. Whenever you guys get to watch it. Shoot, you watch it on YouTube. There's certain matches that you're able to watch on YouTube from time to time before AEW tries to gank it and rip it. I'm just going to let you know that's what they've been doing. Do what you want. Do what you plead. But hey, I enjoyed the pay-per-view. Uh, that has been my Two Cents Podcast AEW uh, review. Um, before I get out of here, here's my social media links. Twitter, you can follow me at, at my2podcast. Instagram, my two cents podcast G2. And for Yahoo, oh, my email is my two cents pod at yahoo.com. For anybody that wants to email me about anything, because remember, life is precious. I don't need you guys to try to transition over without, uh, for no good reason. And I'm meaning that in the most caring way that I can because life is precious. You can always have something that you can uh, look forward to every day. There's no need for you to try to transition out of this life and go over into uh, the unknown. So please, if you need somebody to talk to, just email me at my two cents pod. No, my two cents pod at yahoo.com. My two cents pod at yahoo.com. Remember, I love you guys. I want you guys to have a great day, a great Monday. And uh, enjoy your Labor Day. Please, please, please enjoy it. And I want you guys to just be safe out there because there's people just going to be trying to get home from wherever their destination was from this weekend. 
And I just want you guys to have a great Labor Day. Have a great rest of your week. You'll hear from me again this Saturday for my Wrestling Highlights of the Week and this upcoming Sunday for my uh, news topics. And oh, yeah, um, you can look up all my past and also future episodes on Podbeam, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. So with that being said, oh, yeah, by the way, I was 8-1 on this pay-per-view, 8-1. Every single match I got right, except for the Women's Casino Battle Royal, where I had Thunder Rosa winning, but technically she was the runner-up, so I take that as a win for me, because I was so close to winning it, but anyway, I was 8-1 and in this pay-per-view, and that was a good uh, result, so that tells you I'm really good at this, I'm really, really good at this, to see the future down along of how wrestling kind of progresses and where they want to go with this, but anyway, that is me giving you my uh, pat on the back, but again, I love you all. This isn't goodbye. This is until you hear from me uh, this upcoming Saturday or Sunday or whenever you want to pop in and just tune me into your ears. But until then, until you hear from the sweet voice again, this isn't goodbye. This is until you hear from me again. I love you all. This has been my Two Cents Podcast uh, review of AEW All Out. I love you all. See you later. Have a good day. Ta-ta. Bye-bye now. I'm tired. You tired. Uh-huh. Jesus wept. Uh-huh.